Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Welcome to First Bite, our midweek Detroit Lions podcast. We are in the middle of our Detroit Lions draft review series where we are getting a special guest to talk about one of the Lions draft picks. Before we get into all that, my name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the co-host of First Bite. With me is Chris Perfett. Chris, how are you doing today, buddy? I have power, so I'm actually doing better. Um, Good. For those who don't know, I spent uh, Wednesday 14 hours without power. Um, I recorded a podcast from a broom closet, but I am now back among the first world countries with the global north or whatever the new word is for that. I am I am among the civilized, the 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 connected. I am once again connected to the Internet on the grid again. I, I'm on the grid again, and I kind of wish I wasn't. Well, we're happy to have you. Um, as I as I mentioned, we are in the middle of our draft review series. We are up to Lions' third round pick, second third round pick, I should say, Ifatu Melifanu, cornerback out of Syracuse. So to help get to know Ifatu Melifanu, if he if you will, uh, we have a very special guest, John Casillo, the managing editor editor over at Nunes Magician, the SB Nation blog for Syracuse. John, how you doing, buddy? Doing well, guys. Glad to be here. Very, very happy to have you. Um, let's just kind of get started with, uh, I want to talk about the rec- recruiting process for, for Ifatu because I thought it was a little bit interesting. There's a little bit of a local tie in there as well. Wasn't really um, that highly regarded, didn't have a ton of offers, three-star recruit out of there. Syracuse kind of locks him up fairly early and then Michigan kind of comes in late, tries to, to, to pick him up. Um, I guess my question to you is, why do you think he stayed committed to Syracuse and why do you think maybe his recruitment was, was a little sparse, um, especially when his, his brother Obi was, was in the spotlight at the time. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I know some Lions fans probably follow, you know, college football recruiting to some extent, others, maybe not, but realistically, like a lot of the Northeast prospects are kind of sparse. There's only so much competition at that's really at the power five and FBS level. So realistically, like, those guys are kind of looked at with a side eye in many cases. And if you're in a smaller league or you're one of the only like good players on your team, you know, people see highlights and see like, this is especially the case for like defensive linemen where defensive linemen will, you know, just blitz constantly against 230 pound tackles. And then everyone just shrugs it off and goes, yeah, but like play somebody. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, in, in Iffy's case, I think, um, there there was a little bit of skepticism just around the level of competition, but I, I, I think more so, um, they just didn't know what he was yet. Um, and they kind of wanted to play wait and see Michigan, you know, came in kind of late. They never actually offered from what I understood, but they were super interested. I think Syracuse is one of those schools that, um, has a, does a great job identifying talent early in recruiting cycles. Uh, they put out more offers than most schools, um, because they're, they know they're going to lose a lot of those, you know, four and five star guys. Right. So by getting in on guys early, sometimes you end up holding on. Sometimes you end up with these diamonds in the rough. Um, like Iffy, we've had some, you know, two and three star guys in the past, Justin Pugh, Chandler Jones, 
who not only were stars at Syracuse, but then made it into the NFL. Um, so it, it's a strategy that's worked. I'm glad it did um, because Mel Fineman did a great job for us uh, throughout his career. I wanted to talk about that career too. So, I mean, he starts, uh, it, it takes him a bit to start. He doesn't start as a freshman. He's redshirted. Um, what was kind of, you know, what was your kind of impression about it? And it seems like he had the physical tools, but just take, did it just take time for, you know, head coach Dino Babers and the, and the staff to just coach him up? Uh, he had the physical tools. I think realistically it was just getting him into a, a, a better spot uh, from a weight perspective, from a scheme perspective, I think too, like SU was just trying to build some depth. It's been a tough part for us um, for a long time, really. Um, it's just building valuable depth. And I guess for the most part, like SU felt like at the time when he first started, um, you know, that we had some, we had a good like kind of collection of defensive backs um, on the roster already, uh, you know, between Evan Foster, uh, you know, at the safety spot, Chris Frederick. Uh, some others. So we had guys that were, you know, at the top of the depth charts who figured, get, let's give them a year, let them get accustomed to the weight room, let them get accustomed to, you know, training, let them get accustomed to the scheme. Um, and then we can kind of plug them in, uh, we, you know, when he's completely ready. Uh, and, and we don't have as many guys kind of sitting in front of him, uh, you know, vying for playing time. Was there a moment that you remember that was, that was like, all right, this kid is, this kid is good. What, maybe it's something he said, maybe something he didn't practice. Maybe one of the first games he appeared in where you're just like, this guy could be kind of a hallmark of this defense going forward. Uh, I mean, really what was kind of interesting about Iffy is like in, in a defense that had a lot of playmakers, guys like Trill Williams, Andre Cisco, um, Cisco was drafted by the Jags um, also in the third round. Like mm-hmm. They were, they were the big play guys, and they, they were allowed to do that, and they had the freedom to do that because Melifano was like the consistent cover corner. Um, he was probably, I'd argue, one of the better shutdown guys in the ACC over the last couple of years. The numbers didn't necessarily, um, you know, scream that, but that was largely because he was just a great cover guy. He was a great, you know, cover guy in press coverage. He was just someone who could blanket receivers. I mean, uh, he didn't, him and Garrett Williams, who's still at Syracuse, the two of them didn't allow a touchdown until the last game against Notre Dame um, all season last year. So realistically, like these are guys that just blanketed receivers, took their guys out of games uh, where you would beat Syracuse in the passing game is either underneath before they could get to uh, guys or over the top uh, where we had some, you know, rougher play around the edges uh, for safeties. So I, I think there wasn't a specific game necessarily, but he did have some, you know, pretty solid efforts. He defended three passes last year against Clemson. He had two against North Carolina, obviously two very good quarterbacks at those schools. Yeah. Uh, in, in general, he, he was, I'd say consistently uh, very good uh, for us the entire time. And that facilitated again, risks for, that other players were allowed to take. So, so was it a thing where he's basically like shutting down half the field quarterbacks aren't even bothering to, to throw it his way, that, that sort of thing. And that's why maybe the, the interception numbers weren't there. Oh yeah. And, 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 and you know what, like they said, we, we had other uh, defensive backs who were much more interception focused. So there was not an easy place to throw, but yeah, he was somebody who shut down his half of the field um, and made it very difficult to kind of complete passes in his area. So I know during the draft night when he was taken, um, uh, Dan Campbell, uh, Lions head coach was saying he was shocked. Melifonda was available in the third round. Um, I think the words he used was he's just sticking out like a sore thumb and you can't avoid that. Can't avoid him to know what kind of athlete and football player he is. Um, and by the way, this kid has a background out to everything about him. He does extra work. Were you shocked that he was available in the third round? I was, to be honest. I mean, Melifonda, 
out of the three defensive backs that were like considered to be, uh, you know, selections in this draft, two of them got picked um, in Cisco and Melifonwu. Trill Williams had some injury uh, concerns and that ended up getting him uh, as an undrafted free agent. But I, I think everyone was kind of shocked because he was the one that didn't have health concerns coming out of last season. Um, he was somebody who was kind of rising up draft boards as a sleeper, potential late first, early second guy. Um, and obviously like with the, you know, family pedigree and his brother, Obi, like, it, it seemed like a perfect storm for this is somebody who didn't put up like eye popping numbers, but was going to be, you know, a first two rounds uh, guy. I think the physical traits are there, the speeds there. I mean, he's got a huge wingspan is, is the type of guy that just seemed like all he needed was to be part of an actual NFL defense um, and, and, and put into that system. And, and you're going to see some immediate results. Yeah, I know our friends, uh, I, our friend Kent Lee Platty, I was going to say, Jeremy, um, yeah. The the RAS score was composited like what a nine point six nine nice. <laughs> yeah. Um. The only thing he really scored poor on was the agility grades. I know he had like a pretty poor shuttle uh shuttle time, but yeah. But yeah, I mean it, that that combination of size and speed is is, is pretty rare. Six two is is huge for a corner and a forty of a four four eight, pretty darn good for that that size and and, and weight. Um, but, but yeah, as you say, like he has those physical traits. It's just a matter of putting it together in an NFL scheme. Do you kind of have an idea of where that fit is? Because I think a lot of people are kind of confused where, where he might go. Um, his, his brother obviously played safety, having a, a, a tall guy like that. It, it's, it's potentially good for if you're playing that pe- press man coverage that he excelled at at the college level, but, um, you're dealing with a lot of bigger guys and a lot speedier guys at the NFL. So some have talked about maybe him even sliding inside to line up against big slots or, or tight ends. Do you kind of have an idea of, of where, where his fit is at the next level? Yeah. I mean, I think putting up him up against bigger targets, uh, is, is a, is a great call. I think press man, like SU like quietly kind of really struggled in zone coverage last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it was pretty soft. It, it, we, we got exposed pretty quickly because of a really young group and a really injured group. Um, but in, 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 you know, press man coverage and cover three schemes, like he, he was, he was very, very good. He's somebody that, that if you want somebody shut down at the line of scrimmage, like he can make that happen. Once you start, the longer things go, the more likely things might fall apart. But if, if you want someone that can really shut things down at the line of scrimmage, like he's that guy for you. Now I would, I would ask though, just as far as shutting things down, like I, I'm sure cause some fans, some NFL fans may be doing just surface, you know, surface level evaluation would just like go back and start looking at the final scores for a lot of Syracuse games and see like, wow, okay. They were giving up like 30, 40 points a game. And on part of that's just like how college goes these days. But I guess maybe that NFL, this prototypical NFL fan slurry on Miller um, would at, would go up and ask you, Hey, if he's such a shutdown, why are they getting beat by like 40 points a game? Like, so what, what would you say that would defend the honor of Melifon Wu here? <laughs> uh, I think it depends on the season, really. Um, yeah. just well, I, I was just looking yeah. Past oh, yeah, season. Yeah. We, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this past season in particular, uh, COVID injuries, uh, like realistically, I mean, as you just had a rough season overall, like half the team was injured. We were playing true freshmen almost across the board. And I mean, like I said, you know, if he didn't allow a touchdown to the last game against Notre Dame, so not necessarily on him um, as far as that production against Syracuse. Uh, I, I think that, you know, up until this past year, tempo uh, was a big thing. Our offense uh, for a long time was playing one of the faster tempos in college football. So realistically, you create more opportunities for yourself. You're going to create more opportunities for your opponents as well. What is the one play that you will probably remember 
uh, Melifondo for, uh, for his career at Syracuse. If there was one play, that's the weird thing. Like I was kind of going like racking my brain about the when I was writing up like uh, preview stuff, like it was probably something against Clemson last year where he just made these really athletic plays. And again, like read the eyes immediately of Trevor Lawrence and number one overall pick. Um, so I wouldn't say it's a specific play as much as just the way that he quietly produced against, you know, future NFL talent um, week to week was just to me uh, a sign of good things to come at least. And, and that, I, I like that answer a lot because with cornerback, it's not necessarily all about, you know, one or two flashy plays. It's about consistency. And, right. and is it, is it fair to say like he was just a consistent force out there week in and week out? Oh, you know, to be honest, like far more than like some of the other guys. I mean, I liked a lot um, like what Trill Williams did, what Andre Cisco did. I mean, I'm sure you guys, if you were in the market for defensive back, you knew Andre Cisco's tape, you understood what he was all about. Sure. Cisco got better as he was at SU, but Cisco was also very much a, you know, high risk, high reward guy. Like if he's not that, if he's not the guy who's going to completely sell out, um, you know, against the run and then get beat, he's not the guy who's going to, you know, basically run halfway across the field for an interception because he's playing more center field. Like if he's your guy who is going to consistently produce week in and week out. Is there a facet of his game that you saw him consistently get better at during his three, four years at, uh, at Syracuse? I would say for the most part, like he just seemed like he got stronger hmm. um, a- as he went. I-, I-, I think that that was somewhere that he definitely got very good. I think he got a lot better uh, at run protection as well, um, which was kind of like, a, I-, I think, a nice low-key benefit um, to him uh, You know, by the end was that, I mean, and part of it was by just need. I mean, SU was terrible at run defense <laughs> in the first half of the year. Um, and then you started seeing, uh, if you get involved, start seeing the linebackers get more involved and that improved over the course of the season. But yeah, I, I think that, that strength and then again, you know, run defense somewhere that you might see some more progress from him uh, in the coming years. Was, was that like a, a mentality thing? Like he just became more of, of someone who was willing to kind of get his nose dirty there? Or was it just a, an improvement maybe on form and things like that? Um, I think it's part form. It also just might've been just by necessity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. if you're, yeah, if you're him and you see, oh, our front four is getting like murdered uh, <laughs> and, and, and the linebackers aren't really able to make plays, you just kind of start making adjustments to say like, teams are just going to run on us all game. So I'm going to make, I'm going to get in here and make a play. Uh, I just got one more question. Um, I don't know wh- where you're at, Chris, but I got, no, I got I'm good. My, my last one is just uh, tell us about him as a person. Um, Lions kind of, had an interesting draft weekend in that we had a lot of very, very intriguing press conferences from, from our new rookies. But if Atu Melifanu's one was, was pretty timid by, by all things uh, considered, is that kind of just the person he is? He's kind of a, a soft-spoken guy or is, was that, I mean, I want to give him a pass too. Like it's draft night. It, it, there's a lot of emotions probably going through you. So um, just as a person, what, what do you know about him? And, and do you have any maybe personal stories about him? I mean, for the most part, like, you know, you only get so much uh, media access at the college, uh, the college level, especially when cool. you're a team that's not doing too well. That too. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you, you usually, one of the first things that gets cut off is, uh, is access. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if he was great, he was somebody who, yeah, he didn't talk a ton. He didn't have a ton to say. He just kind of let his play speak for itself. Um, definitely wasn't the showiest or flashiest guy. Um, and I know that that for a lot of teams, you know, that, that that's a pretty valuable trait sure. um, at the NFL level. I know, you know, defensive back wide receivers, um, in particular might be more prone to because they're big play guys, their entire kind of shtick is around like how many plays you produce, what you shut down on the defensive end, you know, what you're able to do on the offensive end. But he, he was very much a, 
hard worker who just kind of lined up, did his job very well, um, and then, you know, called it a day. That's John Casillo, the managing editor over at Noon is Magician. Uh, John, where can the people find you and, and um, what sort of stuff that, that maybe Lions fans might be interested can they find over at Noon is Magician? Uh, yeah, I mean, realistically, you know, we talk – we do talk Cues. football. Yeah, we do talk Syracuse. We talk football and basketball. If you, uh, if you're a Michigan State fan, you probably won't like our opinions on Tom Izzo. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, Listen, we, we, we had some fun at his expense here and there. As a as a as someone who grew up in the Toledo area of Toledo, Ohio, I am oh, all you, about you Dino him. Babers from Bowling Green. Both I hate him because he's from Bowling Green, but at the same time, nothing but the best, and hope he uh, turns that program around because that would be a score for us. I heard you from Toledo. Uh, does it mean you hate us for the 2011 season? Or, or, or no, 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 no. It's 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 a Bowling Green U Toledo rivalry thing. It's you know that's a 75 piece pipe shit. So <laughs> <laughs> all good. Yeah, uh, you know Uh I'm at John Casillo um, on Twitter. The blogs at News Magician. Uh, we we try to have some fun. I mean, yeah, it's largely Syracuse focused, but you'll uh, you'll you'll find some jokes that the general sports fan appreciates. All right. Sounds good. That's John Kissel, double S, double L, if you're looking for him on Twitter. Thanks for j- joining us, John. Appreciate it. That was some, some great insight. Uh, and, and yeah, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll talk uh, again sometime soon if, if another Syracuse guy comes our way. Of course. Thanks, guys. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk about everything that John said, kind of project maybe what we expect out of Ifatu Melifanu in his rookie season and beyond. So stick with us on First Bite. We'll be right back. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. And we are back here. First bite, talking Ifatu Melifanu. Thanks again to John Casillo from uh, Nunes Ma- Magician uh, for, for giving us that nice breakdown of Ifatu's three years over there at Syracuse. Um, Chris, I, I guess I want to throw it to you first, just like what were your mm-hmm. first impressions about what you heard? Anything that, that popped out where you're just like, that's what I wanted to hear or that's not what I wanted to hear about him? So I think, I guess like, I understand, yeah, I, I think I liked that, you know, he brought up, it's just consistency there. Right. Right. Um, that's kind of the key for a, for a, for a cornerback, for a defensive back um, more than, more than any kind of big spectacular plays. But I don't know. I also feel like just in general, maybe it's because it was Syracuse and I just don't watch a lot of Syracuse and sure. Syracuse has been kind of bad that, um, 
I don't know. I, I, I don't feel like I've learned enough yet about Malafonu, but we were just talking about this during the break. Like cornerbacks take time to develop in this league. They take mm, several years. Um, we were already try- already. I think lions fans were jumping the gun when it came to Jeff Okuda on how quickly he'd become ready. Sure. And I feel like expecting Melifonwu to be a starter in this league right now is again, jumping the gun. But you know, the, the good news is, is a, the lions have time and B they have Aaron Glenn as the defensive coordinator who was himself a defensive back in the NFL. So there's plenty of chance for Melifonwu to keep getting coached up. And he seems to have, and again, this is probably the one thing I like too. He has all the, all the measurables we talked about. He has all the physical tools coming out of college. So I think it's uh, I think it's still it's promising in that regard. Yeah. And the one thing that I've just I'm starting to now kind of put the pieces together here is um, I went back and watched his press conference today and he was asked, you know, why did he why did he pick Syracuse over Michigan and, and things like that? And one of the things he said I thought was really interesting. He said, Sir, I knew if I went to Syracuse, I'd have an opportunity to start in two years. Right. I wanted to redshirt. He wanted to redshirt, not, mm-hmm. not necessarily something you hear a lot out of a player. A lot of players just want to get a, get to college. They want to play right away, put the, the film out there and mm-hmm. get into the pros. He was willing to take the slow methodical approach there and realize, let me sit, let me learn. Let me, let me build these physical tools, then put me out there. And, and as, as we heard, like once he was out there, he, you know, he may not have been the biggest name. He may not have made the flashiest plays, but he was the most consistent guy out there. And guess what's going to happen when he's in Detroit now? He's essentially going to have a redshirt year. He'll play. He'll he'll be in sub sub packages, but he's not going to be an out, a starting outside corner in his first year. He's going to have time to grow. He's going to have time to learn. He's going to have time to use those physical skills and learn how to use them at an NFL level. He's going to have time to learn under one of the best, um, you know, defensive backs coach in not only Aaron Glenn, but in Aubrey Pleasant. Um, so I think he's in a really, really good situation here to potentially be a starter. Maybe, I don't think this year, maybe not even next year, but down the line, I think he's in as good of a spot as he could probably ever really go. Yeah, I mean, NFL.com, their draft profile, when they wrote it before the draft gave him a, uh, I believe it was a 6-3. And for those who don't know the draft scale for NFL.com, which includes a lot of great people who do some really great scouting, 6-3 to 6-4 is is saying they believe that he'll be a starter within the first two seasons. And you might still think 6-3 is low, but once you get up to 6-7, that's year one quality starter. Once you hit seven on their scale, they're saying that the prospect is a pro bowl talent. So like that's in line for a guy who is there on day two that you're picking up. Uh, I like speaking of that. I kind of like the answer too on why, you know, everyone kind of felt shocked. This guy was there in round three. And I guess we hear it a lot. And a lot of that is on how the board kind of falls out, but yeah, Melifon was right in line with every other corner that was kind of going around that time on day two. Yeah. And, and you look at a guy like uh, Dane Brugler, a guy who is gained a ton of credibility over at the athletic for all the, the scouting he does. He had him as a second round grade. So yeah, I, I think in terms of value, I don't think there's a question that the lions um, nailed this one in terms of at least what the perception is of, of value there. And that's why, like you said, the line staff was all about like, this guy's just like cornerback wasn't a huge need. They have, they already have young cornerbacks in Jeff Okuda and, uh, and Amani Oruarie, and they, they brought in Quentin Dunbar. They, they have guys that are going to start this year. So cornerback wasn't high on the need, but 
Um, when, when you have a guy that has all those kind of raw, raw tools that a Fatu Melifanu does, um, they thought it was too good to pass on. And, and I get that. And I understand that. And you can never have too many corners. Um, it, it's, it's a position that, that deals with a lot of, you know, soft tissue injuries and, and guys will, you know, have groin injuries or hamstring issues. And sometimes they might just need someone to step in for three or four plays. But when you're playing cornerback and you step in for three or four plays, you could give up a touchdown if you, if you're not ready. Yeah. And so, and that's, if Fatu Melifanu is going to play some this year, like I said, I don't think he's going to start, but to have a guy that at least has the physical tools on your bench, considering how thin this, this line's roster is elsewhere. Like it's a peace of mind. Yeah, and also too, like I, we, this is a really young unit. This is a really young unit for a for a position that takes years to develop in the NFL. So, like, I, I don't know if it was really a super big need in the draft, but I can totally understand when you've got it, you know, some great talent on the board at the position that you take it because, as you say, like, yeah, soft tissue soft tissue issues. Um, you also just because of the, the maturation time of a cornerback in the NFL, you just don't know what you're going to get even with last year's guys, especially for a room that right now counts um, among its hoary elders, Quinton Dunbar. Like that's, I think <laughs> the most seasoned cornerback on this roster right now, or Warrior was drafted in 19 uh, Okuda last year. Like this is, this is not a very, um, this is not a very old cornerback crop that the lions have that's still trying to mature it's lost a lot of veteran talent it's in it's probably the one that's needs the most time to develop to see what's like in a rebuilding developmental year this is what's going to probably get the most development yeah and again this is why Ryan and I were, and, and, and a lot of people were, were really excited about the the addition of Aaron Glenn to the defensive staff because yeah you know, I mean the, the lines are really young at the cornerback position, but they've also potentially have, they're, they're potentially sitting on a gold mine. With, yeah. With some of these guys. Um, even, even, you know, it's become a meme that I don't like Amani Oruari, which couldn't be further from the truth, but he's a guy that I think a lot of people had high hopes for. And, and uh, if, if we're willing to give Jeff Okuda a pass for the, the sins of the previous coaching staff, you have to give those to Amani Oruari as well. And so, yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of potential there. And, and now we fought to Melifanu gives them even more potential. Yeah. I mean, Okuda was literally a rookie his last year. And uh, I mean, again, Darius Slay wasn't good as rookie year. Nobody, nobody at this position is good as they're in their rookie year. If they are, they are a, they are a, uh, an exception, not the rule. Um, it's, it's interesting to see. And I, I don't know, it, it'll be interesting to see what we get with uh, Malafonwu just because uh, for, again, for the lions, it's a young class back there. It's a rebuilding defense. The bar is set pretty low unless you like put on a racing helmet and then make people really mad at you or something. <laughs> we'll save that one for the main podcast. But, oh um, man. Do we have the, words for that? The, the, the one other thing that I think people are curious about, and we didn't necessarily get a straight answer from, from John about it. And, and I mean, how's he supposed to know is, is where exactly Fatou Melifanu fits at the NFL level fits inside this scheme because of that size, because of that, because of his brother, like a lot of people thought he's, he's going to move to safety too. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold his brother against him just because like right. we, we've That's seen that before. Like there's always, usually when there's brothers in the NFL, one does really well and the other is just not. So like, it's, yeah, it's, it's like, it's like it's me trying fair. to judge what Amon Ross St. Brown is going to do by looking at Equiminius's play. Yeah. Right. But, but I mean, they're, they're, 
it, it goes beyond that. It, it's it's that yeah. his his size is is unique. That um his speed that he that he brings with it is also unique. Just you have all these physical tools and you're just not sure exactly where they go. It's worth mm-hmm. pointing out at OTAs thus far, he's been at the outside corner position. It's also worth noting that Brad Holmes said this on draft night, quote, personally, I do think he has versatility to do everything. I think he has the versatility to play outside, to play back deep and to even play inside in the matchup on big guys. And I think that last part is the key one. And it's the one that we, we brought up with John is that he might slide inside in some sub packages when they either have, you know, a, a big slot guy, like, like, you know, an Anquan Bolden type in the game or tight ends. The Lions, the Lions have not had a guy capable of covering tight ends in forever. And based on what I've seen from training camp thus far, they still might not. And so that's something that I think they might groom if Atumelafanu for in the future. Again, I've only seen him at outside corner thus far, and it seems like that's where his his that's where his training will start. But also, we're only about two weeks into practices, and no one has put on pads yet. Um, things could could change. Maybe they're just trying to keep it simple for him before they even start installing more of the playbook and things like that. So, I'm interested to see where they they use him. But I think we're predominantly going to see him on the outside, potentially in some sub packages inside. Yeah. And again probably not much of a role in his rookie season. This is, this is the season of tea leaf reading. I know, I know you love it. I don't just because it's all tea leaf reading. It's all looking at shadows and assuming this is how things are going to uh, pan out sometimes. So I just, you know, we, we got to, I mean, we will, we'll, we'll, we'll grind this meal. I'm not going to cut your legs out. I'm sorry if I feel like I'm cutting your legs out, Jeremy, but no, I'm I not, mean, I, I mean, but like, yeah, it's, it's just take everything you see with a little bit of grain of salt, but at the same time too, like, I just, yeah, I don't think it wasn't a bad draft pick. It wasn't like a bad athlete. Everything looks fine from Elifonwu. So it is corner. So I am reverting back to just shrugging and saying, yeah, we just got to wait and see because corners take time to develop. It's a young backfield that has a lot of questions and it's a team that is still going to, it's going to be all the growing pains of again, Jeremy, I don't think fans realize what a rebuild looks like because lions haven't had to do a proper rebuild in over 10 years now. And it's like, you know, those core pieces, it's just kind of been refitting things. People are trying to use the term retool because the, but we've retooled the lions have retooled several times. Now this is a full on rebuild. It's a full on staff trying to rip out all the rot and put in something completely new. Aaron Glenn's going to need a second to like, you know, get all these guys on the same page. Well, if my options are tea leaf reading or bitching about a space helmet, I choose <laughs> tea leaf reading. And no, Jeremy, that- we, we are going to be, don't, don't cut out my legs because next podcast, <laughs> you're going to bitch about the bitching about the racing helmet <laughs> well we're just gonna have to leave it there uh for you guys uh, that's a tease that that is a tease for the main pod cast which we record monday nights here live on twitch or you can find it on any podcast platform the day after also we're going to have another uh, uh q a on the locker room app uh with, with hey did i see it's on android Matthews. now are they, there are is, they pro- there, there's an Android beta. I don't know if it's going to work or mm. not, um, but, but check it. If, if you do have Android, check it out there. Um, Eric and I will probably do plenty of talking about what we saw in OTAs together on Thursday. So join us 
probably around nine to ten thirty a.m. Saturday. Um, you can probably if you're if you're listening to this on the podcast, it may already be too late. I'm sorry about that, but uh, be be sure to join us um, there every week. The locker room app. And then obviously follow us on Twitch as well. Um, But until then, next time, thank you for joining us. It's chaos. Be kind. Bye. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.